According to Barna, 47% of active Christian millennials say that evangelizing is wrong. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. Today, Tim, we've got Justin Jenkins, Pastor Justin Jenkins of Velocity Church in Lawrence, Kansas, on the program. I've known Justin for, I don't know, three, four years now, Mm. and uh, he pastors an amazing church in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Man, we've got people from all over the place. It's it's amazing. Uh, but, But Justin, in this conversation, he talks about uh, the church that he grew up in and the denominations he grew up in right. and then and then how he came to be you know in Lawrence Kansas and in particular how he wanted to create a church that he could invite his friends to yes. and that that is basically what drives him and and he teaches us how you know a, a how to create a church to invite our friends to so i got a question for you okay um you've grown up in multiple different churches and different backgrounds mm-hmm. and all that and and now you're part of a church that you're inviting people to on a regular basis what's the difference like how does it affect you personally when you are now part of a church that you feel comfortable in inviting uh, a friend to yeah absolutely i mean there's it's it's definitely different when you bring somebody to church for the first time and you see it through their eyes and you you watch your entire service through a different perspective a different lens and so when i'm thinking of like our church and when i want to invite people to a church that i want to belong to it's a place where not they're not just friendly and accepted but a place where they can get engaged involved and have community on their own and um i, I'm, I want to bring them to a church that uh, where the cause isn't the church, the cause is the community and, and, and what the church brings to that community. So I don't want to just bring them to uh, a hub. I want to bring them to a place, a launching pad, I guess, where it's they can... so good. Yeah. I've noticed for, for me personally that being a part of a church that I can invite, I feel comfortable to invite unchurched friends to, mm-hmm. that helps me spiritually for yes. some reason because now... All of a sudden, now I'm I'm not just attending a church, and that's a once a week thing. I'm thinking about church on a regular basis. I'm having conversations about church and about God on a regular basis. And it reignites your faith. And it reignites your faith. Yeah. But then also, when they come and they give their heart to Jesus, now I'm helping somebody walk through their journey, totally. which helps me walk through through my journey. Yeah. So you know, we've been accused of of you know, if you're your church that's for the unchurched, and you're focused on that. What about the Christians? Well. I don't know. For me, I've I've noticed that it's made me a better Christian, and my walk with God has gotten deeper and and better simply because of the way that we do church and and, yeah. and doing it. Have you found the same thing? Well, absolutely. I mean, like you get a stagnant a stagnant pond, and and it's just unhealthy. But you have a flowing river, and you have fresh water flowing into it all the time. It's something that has longevity and life to it. So. That's so good. That's so good. We when we get we talk about being a church for the unchurched. A lot of people saying, "Well, your focus is on the unchurched and nothing else." Reality, okay, mm-hmm. that's just a nice little saying and a slogan. The reality is, we're actually intentionally creating a church for church people yes. to invite unchurched people to. Yeah, that's really what it's all about. And it's and that's what the power of the power of the invite is so so vital and it, it really what drives things it drives people deeper spiritually but it also dr- drives momentum in the church and this is a great conversation with pastor justin jenkins of velocity church and he he talks about creating a church that will drive the invite and will encourage people to invite their unchurched friends too so let's go now to our conversation with pastor justin jenkins 
Well, hi, Justin. Welcome to GoCast, man. It's so good to have you on the program, my friend. Man, I am pumped and honored to be here. Just such a privilege to get to be a part of your podcast and to be in your life and be your friend. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, man, let's introduce you a little bit to our audience. Your your dad was a pastor. You grew up in the church, but your dad, you grew up in the United Methodist Church. That, is that right? That's correct. My dad is definitely one of my heroes. Yeah. And it's probably hard to tell my story without telling a little bit of his story. Because he started preaching when he was 16 years old wow! Uh, in the sticks of West Virginia country preacher. His first church that he pastored, his first appointment in the Methodist church was, it's called a, like a six point appointment. So he had six churches that he pastored at 18 years old. Oh my goodness. You know, you know lots of times we think we're doing something today with multi-site but i mean just back in the day they were making it happen and had to raise up leaders and so wow but then my dad always grew up in the methodist church he felt called to the methodist church uh he was a spirit-filled methodist pastor so you can kind of um do with that what you will somebody who uh believed in the power of god and the gifts of the spirit but felt called to a denominational setting wow. and uh the reason he's one of my heroes is because he had a walk with God, has a walk with God, but while he's ministering, walk with God that's second to none and uh, just inspired me to uh, love God first and foremost, ministry. Uh, He never had a big ministry, never had a a big following, but um, was a great pastor. And so, yeah, so that was the setting that I grew up in was small denominational Methodist church, you know, hundred people maybe. Yeah. My brother and sisters, we were the only kids in the church, wooden pews, stained glass, hymns, um, all of that. Wow. So that that's amazing. So that's a, that's a, I mean, where you are now, that's, it's a quite a ways away from, from that upbringing. So tell me a little bit about you and how you got started in ministry. Well, I think, you know, when I grew up, I never wanted to necessarily be in ministry, uh, probably because we struggled a lot financially growing up. I wanted to go into business and make money and uh, just get out from it. But I always loved, loved the Lord. I just thought I could make money and send it to missionaries and something like that and yeah. serve God that way. But when I was 17 years old, I was living abroad, I was in France. And uh, during this time where I was seeking God and my personal devotion, I had a real encounter where God called me to ministry, gave me the option, said, you know, Justin, you can... Um, go this way that you think you want to go in life or you can do what I've called you to do. And it wasn't even like he was condemning the other options, just giving me the invitation uh, wow. to follow him and use my life to, to serve him. And from that point, I didn't know I'd be a pastor, but I knew I wanted to leverage my life for the sake of the gospel. However that would look, whatever scope or shape that would take. And uh, from that point, uh, went to Bible school, then started serving in the local church, started serving some missions organizations, did a num- number of different things. Uh, but it was while I was serving in the local church, I really just developed a heart for the local church. At this point, um, my dad had retired from the Methodist church and was, mm. uh, he was pastoring a non-denominational church. And uh, I, the church had kind of gone through a messy situation. I had graduated from Bible school, felt to just help him and serve him and serve yeah. his, his vision for the church. And uh, it's really while I was doing that that I just fell in love with the local church and realized this is where 
I want to be, what I want to do with my life. Wow. So you, you have, uh, you're the founding pastor of Velocity Church in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the church and, and why Lawrence? Yeah, such a great question. I mean, my wife and I, we've grown up as Midwest people. So she grew up in Iowa. I kind of grew up all over the Midwest. And uh, part of that was growing up in the Methodist church because they moved their pastors around a lot. Um, so in terms of why Lawrence, Kansas, the, the biggest reason is we just felt like we were Midwest people. And the simplest reason is God called us here. Um, when I was serving in that church, it was in Minnesota where I was serving that non-denominational church. I uh, had been praying, seeking God. God had put in my heart to plant a church and not knowing where it would be. I just began to look at a map saying, God, where have you called me to? Yeah. Zeroed in on Kansas and began to pray, God, where in, in Kansas? Bear in mind, even though we had been grown up in the Midwest, uh, had never lived in Kansas. So I didn't know anybody here. My wife and I used to, we dated long distance. I lived in Oklahoma. She lived in Iowa. We used to drive through Kansas City all the time uh, when we were dating each other. And so I think we maybe got a, started to work in our heart even during that time. But that's really how Kansas came about. But the way the church came about is maybe a little bit more interesting mm. because uh, it was while serving at the non-denominational church. I, I say it was non-denominational, but the truth is it was, it was very religious. And I say this with no disrespect, um, but it was it was a charismatic church. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, even though people in the charismatic movement may have felt that they were free from some of the traditions of denominationalism, there was a lot of tradition to it. It kind of like a, an order of service, a flow of service and things you could expect. And I knew that this dream that God was putting in my heart was to do something fresh. And the best way I can describe it is I wanted to be a part of a church that I could invite my friends to. Oh, that's good. This, this church now, understand my dad was the pastor love my dad there was no uh animosity no uh disgruntlement with the church i love the church um love my dad but i was just noticing that because it was a small church 100 people i was working a job to pay the bills and i was always that guy who was inviting people in love with jesus wanted people to have a relationship with jesus the same way i did was inviting them to church, wanting them to experience it. And usually after enough harassment, they would come just to shut me up. But I noticed they'd come, but they wouldn't stick. They'd never come uh. back. And that's just because there was a lot of it where the church wasn't meeting their needs. Wow. There was insider language. There was things going on that weren't explained, that they didn't understand. Um, it didn't make sense. Sometimes it was uh, overly theological in the sense of talking about a subject and not talking about the stuff they were going through, uh, maybe talking about faith, which faith is important and applicable to our life, but not talking about how to have a better marriage, mm. how to have a better relationship or what to do with their money. And I just noticed that people weren't getting the help they needed. They weren't necessarily finding Jesus even. And um, that really messed with me. And so I wanted that, that's when God started to birth something. No discredit to what they were doing, not knocking what they were doing, but I knew God had called me to do something different. Yeah. 
I wanted to reach people and I wanted my friends to know Jesus the same way I did. And I felt like the church was the best vehicle for that. That's so good. So, so I, lo- I love that because I mean, you're very passionate about creating a church that people feel comfortable inviting their unchurched friends to. So, okay. So let's, let's pretend we're in uh, planning stages of, of, you know, the launch team of Velocity Church. You're casting vision to, to us about what it's going to look like, that, what's Velocity going to look like, what is going to be different and how we're going to create a church that we can feel comfortable invite our unchurched friends to. How do you go about planning that, laying that out, casting the vision for, for that? Cause that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, that's your why yeah. as to why you planted the church. So let's talk through la- launching the, the church and what that looks like. And how, how do you go about creating that church? Well, you know, when we started, I think all those processes you go through when you're launching something are so important where you're thinking about your mission statement, you're thinking about, your vision, you're thinking about your values. Like, I don't think you can um, speed through or rush through any of that process. Right. Um, not that that's exactly the things you're asking, but even for us, we really took time to think about and craft our statement. We know why we're starting church to reach people. How are we going to say that? And, and how are we going to help people grab hold of this? And so our mission statement is to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. Mm. And I remember when we were crafting that, I think it was Andy Stanley. I was listening to some stuff he had written on mission statements and visioneering and casting vision. and Just talk about the importance of having something that's portable, not complete. Yeah. Lots of times you, when you're planning something, you want to think about all the things you're going to do and all the ways that you're going to reach people. But we just thought our mission, why we exist, is to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. So that's so good. Be small enough and portable enough to be in everything that we do. So how are we going to do our worship? We're going to do our worship in a way that's going to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. How are we going to use our name? Well, our name has to be something that's going to bring that, bring those far from God near to life in Christ. Our marketing, our messaging, the words that we use, the type of sermons that we preach, it's all in an effort to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. And so when we talk with our team, uh, it was keeping that mission at the forefront to make sure, okay, can the mission fit into this? Yeah. If the mission doesn't fit into this, then it's then what we're doing isn't right. Um, I think that everybody though has a dream in their heart to make a difference. And so as we were building the team around it, I'd always ask them, what's the dream in their heart? If they could do anything for the kingdom of God, if they knew they couldn't fail and money wasn't enough, uh, object what would they do yeah people would question like that and get to hear their story you can almost always connect the dots to making a difference in people's lives people with inside inside of them naturally they have on their heart to affect the lives of someone else i think there's no greater mission than the church which restores marriages changes people's eternities their destinies helps them in every helps them be better leaders better fathers better, better mothers better sons daughters employees all of that so wow that's so good all right so so creating i mean i love that creating that off of the mission and keeping everything you know flowing from from that mission making that very clear but with that i mean you're launching a church here comes a bunch of people that probably have some church background you have some church background and there's some things that they're going to come and saying hey we want to do this can our church do this and our previous church we did this 
and and you get all those kind of things coming in there. So I mean, there's some things that you're going to have to say, no, we don't do that uh, here. What are some of those things that you had to eliminate that maybe you grew up with, or maybe that you even preferred or or liked, but to stay on mission? Some of the things that you'd have to have to eliminate. I think yeah, there's lots of great examples of that. So remembering work work. We exist for the people that aren't here yet. There's lots of things that we do naturally that we don't even think about. So church, if we're honest, I mean, I'm, I love the church. I'm a fan of the church. But from the outsider perspective coming in, there's some things that are kind of weird sometimes. And uh, because if you've grown up in it like I have, Many times you think that these are just normal, natural expressions. Right. Until you go someplace where you've never been before and like, man, I don't know. Am I, am I supposed to stand up or sit down? Why are people raising their hands? What do they mean by we had a great time of fellowship together? What like fellowship? What is, what is that? You know? Yeah. What does that word mean? And uh, I don't, am I supposed to, why are we all singing together? Just stuff like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, most times the only time people sing together is like for happy birthday or something. You know, it's just like, or, and they got the words on the screen. We're only thing we're missing from karaoke is a little bouncing ball. Why are we doing that? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we tried to be real intentional. What are the things that we, that we were going to do? What are the things that we were not going to do? Some of them is language. We tried to be crystal clear. Mm. The things we said is this churchy language. Is this insider language? Is this Christianese? Wow. And even if you um, think you're pretty much uh, on it still, the truth is, if you're a part of the church, it's so easy to pick up these phrases that just do not translate to somebody who has never been in church. Yeah, that's um, true. So so language, language was a big one. Um, explaining... Even in our program, so like program would be an interesting thing because if you say a bulletin or church bulletin, yeah, what, what does that even mean? So we just said, hey, this is the, the program and we'd have the order of service in there. We say, hey, the service is going to, this is what you can expect when you walk in. Service is going to be this long. Uh, we're going to lift our hands and sing songs that are praising God. We're, yeah, so you don't stop doing those things. You just explain them. Yes, you're going to hear a message. Yeah. All of that. And the way we thought about it is sometimes we talk about that in service, but sometimes we just put it in people's hands mm. so that they can see and read for themselves. Oh, okay. I, I can follow along in the service. I know what's happening now. It just puts people at ease, right? That's really good because anytime somebody goes to a, a graduation, ceremony or a wedding the first thing you're grabbing for is okay where's the program because i want to know how long i'm going to be here what's going to happen so i mean that's that's just an expectation for all of us who are visiting anything so that's really good to put that in a program uh like that we we uh we eliminated the the bulletins or the programs altogether but we do a welcome at the beginning of the service that yeah. does all of that and we answer that tension because you know newcomers coming in they want to know, okay, what am I going to, what's going to happen? What's gonna, how long is it going to be? Uh, am I going to be asked to do something I don't feel comfortable in doing? What's, what's going to, so we try to eliminate that tension by doing in a welcome. You guys do that in a welcome as well. 
but you, you but you do that in a program so either way that's that's really good explaining not not saying we're not going to do it but we're just going to explain what it is yeah i think you know there's there's so many things we just take for granted that people naturally know right even small things where if you if you want to reach people far from god um then you have to assume that people don't know what you're talking about so when you're preaching about somebody you say oh well you know about paul or you know about david or you know about Moses and just assume that people know what you're talking about. They're not going to know. Right. Yeah. You, you have to start at the beginning. This is who Paul was and this is who Moses was and just bring them in so that if they have, I always think there are people in my church every Sunday that it is their first time ever. Mm. They've never been to church before in their life. They don't know the Bible stories. They don't know the dot dot in the Bible. What, why is there a dot dot? What does that even mean? Yeah. With the chapter and verse. Yeah. And, you know, why are, why are these books letters named the way that they're named? And so you have to go into that kind of context every Sunday, every sermon, because it's somebody's first time. Wow. And that's, that's, I mean, that's a focus again of saying, okay, well, that's a focus of our mission. This is who we're, this is who we're trying to reach. So this is who we're going to talk to. All right. I'm sure you hear it from, from some of the, the older Christians who, who got the stuff and saying, okay, I hear this. Uh, there's, there's pastors maybe listening to this and going, okay, yeah. Uh, but uh, so it sounds like maybe there's some compromising going on and we, we you know, we got to, we can't compromise. And many people believe that soul winning churches somehow compromise the Bible or the truth. So how do you reply to critics when they accuse you of, of compromise? Yeah. You know, I don't know that I've replied to critics, but it doesn't mean that they don't, that they don't hurl accusations. I think sometimes <laughs> people in your church can have honest questions about why we do something. And it's never a problem uh, to explain. First thing I would say uh, there's a couple ways to answer that. First thing is, I don't believe we compromise the depth of God's word right. and the beauty of God's word. Uh, we kicked off a new series this past week called Brain Bugs. It's all about renewing the mind, negative thoughts, and how to deal with that. Something that I'm going to be stealing some stuff from your book, Minecraft, and just put it <laughs> in. So I'll give you credit for that now. <laughs> That's awesome. But, uh, but within that, what, when we're talking about renewing the mind, what are we really talking about? That's the doctrine of sanctification. Right. So this isn't just positive thinking. Think yourself into some kind of better life theology. We're really talking about this is how you apply the doctrine of sanctification in your life. So good. The book of Romans is largely about. So um, if somebody would challenge, uh, you, you can't, uh, that's a, strong doctrinal uh statement so so that's not light theology is what i'm trying to say right you package it in a way that's accessible it, it's all about putting stuff on the bottom shelf and making it easy for people uh to apply i think that lots of times the reason people like to be confused and the reason people like things that they don't understand and the reason things are really heady because then you don't have to live it out mm. it, always a lot more challenging to live out scripture and live out God's word and to just read about it and be in wonder and awe of it. 
that makes sense? Yeah, that's so good. Wow. Um, but then the other thing too, I think people do ask sincere questions and they want to know, well, why do we do this? And why don't we do this? And one thing we say at our church is you will never get what we're about till you see it through the eyes of your friend. Wow. Because when you see it through the eyes of your friend, somebody, I mean, I challenge people, invite somebody who is not in church. We're not here to reach other Christians. We're here to reach people far from God. Invite somebody in your life. Have them sit next to you who you know is not a Christian. Even, I'm not saying they have to be a God hater, but they're, they're not a Christian. You're going to see the service completely differently. Wow. Let's park there for a second because that's, that's really, really uh, really good because we uh, we do the same thing. We somebody's complaining about you know, well, you know we don't like this or we don't like this and why are you doing it this way and why do you explain this all the time? Da da da. Um, we we I say the exact same thing. Hey, invite somebody to the service because if you inv- if I see if you've seen a movie that you really like and you invite a friend to it, it, it's amazing. You watch that movie like the it's the first time, but you're because you're watching it through their eyes. Yeah. And if you invite somebody, an unchurched person, to your church. Everything that happens in the service, everything that is said, everything that is yeah. done, uh, everything, the way that people interact, and in you're watching it through your unchurched friend's eyes. And then all of a sudden, when somebody does that, they're like, oh, I get it now yeah. why you explain you know, this and why, why we, we do that and why we don't do this. That's really, really rich. You know, the other thing though is I try to, I, I try to plan out series. I'm sure you do the same thing, plan things out a year in advance, and there's ebbs and flows of of what you're going to hit. And so, I have a series planned for for next year where we're going to be going through some essential doctrines of Christianity, why the church was founded, why we believe these things that we believe. Wow. Um, but that's not going to be every Sunday. Because it's going to be for, you know, a period of maybe five or six weeks yeah. uh, in the summer. And we'll, and so you take advantage of seasons to dig into things deeper. I try to. So why would you pick the summer as a season to dig into to doctrine things? Like, is there, why did you place it there? The, there's, there's some in, intentionality behind it. But uh, part of it for me is I, it's more about taking advantage of the natural peaks in our calendar of when people are going to be checking out church for the first time. Right. Make sure it's not that I'm uh, selecting that as the priority time. It's that I'm selecting my most evangelistic messages and series and attractional times for when I know um, even if people aren't inviting, people are going to be checking us out for the first time. Like, like in Easter, you're going to go more, yeah, evangelistic and yeah, at, at a at a harvest time, you're gonna you're gonna focus on the harvest. So, using your analogy, when there's times when it's when it's not harvest time, we would say I'm gonna be seeding that ground and watering the ground, making sure that the people who are in their lives have been changed, that they're getting the stuff that they need to go out and make a difference in the life of somebody else. That's so good. We I, I talk about uh, the seven growth points of a church where we. You know, we as pastors, we uh, often will say, "Well, if a church is growing, we're talking about numerically." But there's there's seasons like the summer for us, yep. you know, in particular, and it sounds like for you as well. But there's seasons where you're not numerically growing. That you know, this there's just down times where people aren't attending as as much. And so, if we focus on as a church growing, get those times we get depressed. 
But in those times, saying, but there's other areas in the church that we have to grow. And if we want to grow, you know, our, our teams, our systems, if we want to grow our doctrines in the church, man, it's time to take advantage of those things saying, hey, we're growing something else right now other than numbers. We're going to go deeper. We're going to plant seed now for when the harvest comes. That is really, really wise. That's good. Absolutely. That's awesome. So let, let's talk about, all right, what are you willing to compromise to reach souls? And what do you refuse to compromise? Well, I'm willing to compromise on my preferences. Oh, that's good. For one thing is there, I will tell you, I'm the lead pastor of the church and there are things we do that are maybe not my preference. You know what? I, th- there, there are some things that like, I love stained glass and I've been listening to hymns and I'm not saying that we'll never bring a hymn in, but it's not about just the things that I like. Right. Isn't always my choice. Um, even sometimes the 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 in, intentionality behind the way we would do a uh, strategic outreach initiative wouldn't be my choice if somebody was catering to me. But because we're about reaching people, I put my preferences aside. Right. Um, I know that's maybe not the thing that that you're asking. You know, what am I willing to compromise on? But there's some things like I love listening to. Uh, I can listen to, I'm a sermon junkie. I mean, I'll listen to somebody preach for an hour. You know, yeah. I love that. I'll take notes on it. Let's go there. Um, I preach 30 minutes and have five minutes for a response. So we have short service. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's something that we're willing to compromise on. In, in terms of, we want to make sure that we're always adapting, bringing in technology. And so maybe there's some things that, uh, that that just seem new or abnormal. We're saying we're not going to just do something because we've always done that way. We're going to be willing to compromise on just changing, putting our preferences right. aside. All right. So what do you what do you refuse to compromise? What I refuse to compromise on is the fact that we are all about Jesus. Mm. We believe that He is the way, the truth, and the life. That the Bible is God's word. That it's relevant for people's lives today. That that you can stand on God's word and that the essential doctrines of Christianity. And when I'm talking about the essential doctrines, those are the things that um, have been uh, agreed upon and adhered to over the the years that those things still stand. Right. Um, That's the, good. The truth is, you know, because I grew up in a denominational church and there's so many different denominations out there, I have a different approach. I think God actually, likes the diversity of worship. And I think that there's, there's, um, I, I think God delights in just being praised and glorified in different ways. And so people who love liturgical, that's great. And people who love hymns is great. But um, I, think, I think God can delight in those different expressions. But uh, the moment you start saying, well, did God really mean that? Or we don't need to, uh, change our service what we need to change is our doctrine and that will bring people in like that's that's where it's a danger so that's why hey we'll change our methods but what isn't going to change is god's word right going to change is god's love for people what isn't going to change is the fact that uh even doctrines that are challenging that we have to wrestle through that tension but we believe god's word still stands so good so good yeah we say you know we'll mess with the methods but 
the message is sacred. That, that's not going to change. And, and we use the example from Acts chapter 17, right, where Paul is preaching in Athens. And he used complete, going back to what you talked about with language, he used completely different language. In fact, twice in in his sermon to it to the you know to those in Athens, he yeah. quoted Greek poets. Yeah, right. In him we live and move and have our being. That's actually a poem. I had to look it up, but it was actually a poem written about Zeus, and and he quoted that in reference, and then said, "Hey, let me talk to you about about Jesus," and and used different language to get to the same message. And I, I was I, I often kid with our team. I was like, imagine if that was Peter that was there. Uh, Peter would have probably gone in because he had one sermon. It seemed like everywhere he went, um, and and I was like, imagine if he would have went in using the same sermon that he preached in Acts chapter two to those in in a Athens. It wouldn't have worked. And it's it's uh, focusing again on the mission, saying, hey, we're going to mess with the methods, but the mission and and the messages is sacred. All right. So Andy Stanley he he says that the natural drift of every local church is insider focused. Man, I I. I can tell you from experience that the years that I've pastored that that's he's absolutely right. So how have you guarded against that drift at velocity? Wow. Um, you're absolutely right on that. It's just so easy to begin to think about our needs and what we need. And, and to a degree, I mean, the church is about meeting people's needs, but it is going back to that saying, the church is the only organization on the face of the earth that exists for the purpose of its non-members right just the people that that aren't here yet that's good yeah so, so i think one thing we do is we change a lot we change things up and you can do it from changing your service time to your service order to your series to your org chart we just don't ever allow people to get too comfortable and that can drive some people crazy maybe it's just the way i'm wired but we don't ever want people to get too comfortable because when you begin to get comfortable in the routine, and I believe in a routine, but when you begin to get comfortable in the routine of church, then it kind of begins to come about, become about us. And well, I've been in this chair, you know, for three years that I've been here, yeah. or, you know, I've been the leader of this part and this is what we want to do. It's like, no, we're, it is not about you. And that's, it's so much bigger than that. It bleeds over into everything with our values. Our values are, are big. Uh, as soon as you walk into either one of our campuses, they will hit you in the face. It's in our language. It's said in our welcome. It's said in our team huddle before service starts. It's said in the message. It's reminded of people are reminded of that in their uh, team meetings throughout the week. Like, yeah. You know, come to our church and get and think that it's about you because none of our leaders are gonna allow you to think that they're gonna remind you that we're here for a purpose. That's so good, man. I, I love that. All right, so we and, and the reason why I, I love that so much and, and changing quick is because hey, let's let's be honest. We talked about you know earlier uh, in the podcast we were talking about you know your upbringing in United Methodist and, and denominationalism. But I mean, the truth is, we look at denominationalism now and going, yeah, but they're they're stuck or they're they're in that religion or they're not moving. But at one time, all of the denominations were the fresh move, were the were the the cutting edge. But somewhere along the line, they stopped changing and got they they got the methods became sacred, and 
and they be and instead of the just the message being sacred. And so they stop changing. And so I, I love that that you're taking change and saying, hey, let's let's change just for the sake of change because we don't want to get stuck. <laughs> you are absolutely right. I mean, you think about the different denominations. I mean, you can study the history of them. God used all of them in significant ways, but somewhere along the way, they they parked on a move of God and God moved on. And yeah. Thought of it, like you said, in the, in the methods. And uh, yeah, we got to embrace, embrace uh, new. That's so good. So how, how many salvations and baptisms did, did your church have last year? Well, last year we had 164 wow. salvations awesome. and 45 baptisms. And this year, you know, we're a little over halfway through the year and we're already on pace to smash that. We had, we've had over 140 salvations wow. so far this year, uh, had over 60 baptisms so far this year. That's and awesome. We got baptisms coming up again uh, in just a couple of weeks. So uh, it's, man, it's so cool to just see that when you are intentional about reaching people far from God and it's in the culture of your church, God's faithful to bring, uh, God's, God's faithful to do his part, which yep. is save people and change lives. That's so good. So tell me about one of those changed lives. Somebody that came in completely unchurched, uh, got saved, radically changed their life and baptized. And yeah, man, th there's so many, but I'll <laughs> tell you about a cool one recently, because when we started, uh, which is almost eight years ago now, one of our first salvations was this, uh, was this woman who was far from God and she wrote in her story about how she like hadn't been to church in years. Mm. Uh, God didn't want anything to do with her. And her life was, was changed in that service. The reason I mentioned her is because of just recently, like just last few weeks, uh, her daughter, who this is an older woman, her daughter who had said, God wants nothing to do with me. I will never go to church. Yeah. Uh, really was like a God hater, would start cussing whenever her mom tried to invite her. Her daughter came wow. two weeks ago, gave her life to Christ on the first Sunday she came. Wow. And, uh, it's only been a, a few weeks, but hasn't missed a Sunday since. And to, to see, like, I want to share that story because life change is generational. Yeah. And it's not just this one woman who almost eight years ago now, God changed her life. It's, we have something called a one day prayer yeah. church and we talk about the people in your life. You're praying one day yeah. that, that they'll come to church one day that they'll come to know Jesus one day that God will change their life. And we talk about how at our church every week we have the opportunity to be the answer to somebody's one day prayer. Wow. And I don't want anybody to mess that up. Like I like, we don't want to have a grumpy greeter, right? Yeah. We don't we want to have like disgruntled our, our are unprofessional kids workers or, you know, at, at any level. Every day we have to answer, answer somebody's one day prayer. Uh, this woman who was saved eight years ago, her daughter was her one day prayer. Wow. So see that happen. And that's just, it's, it's amazing to see life change be generational like that. That's so cool. That's, that's why we do what we do. That's the, that is awesome. Man, this has been so, so good. It's so much uh, information here, such rich uh, content. It's awesome. Is there anything that 
that you wish I would have asked but uh, didn't? Man, you asked some you asked some amazing questions. Uh, I don't know that there's any any question you would have asked. I feel like there's just so much I still could have said from thinking about making church fun. You mentioned like Paul using the Greek poem and yeah. sometimes we, you know, grab, we grab just pop culture references and apply it to, to, uh, to scriptural principles just because people can relate to it. Yeah. That's right. There, there's things like that to making sure having invites on your person is part of your culture. We talk about being fully dressed and you're not fully dressed. If you don't have an invite card on you, that's good. We quiz our staff and just say, all right, everybody get out there, their invite card. And man, if you don't have one, you're half dressed. You don't want to be caught half dressed. Wow. So, you know, there's lots of things like that that we can talk about and things that we do, but I think it does start with an intentionality, starts with a mission, starts with the culture. And then from that, you'll find ways to bring that into everything that you do. That is so good. That is awesome. And I'm sure there's lots of uh, pastors and leaders and, and those listening who would love to hear what some of them more what you have and find out what you're doing. So how do they connect with you online? Where do they find you? Yeah, well, uh, you can def- I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook and I have a Twitter, but probably haven't used it forever. So connect with me on Instagram is the best way, which is Justin D. Jenkins. And, uh, love to help out whoever I, I can help out. But um, you can find our, our church website is findvelocity.org. And you can see the stuff that we have going on there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, my friend. This has been so good. It's been great to have you on. And thanks so much for sharing everything you guys are doing. We're excited for you. We're proud of what you're doing. And, and man, it's, it's fun to watch. Well, can I just say, I love learning from your ministry watching what you guys are doing. So glad you're part of my world. Thank you for letting me be a part. This was fun. This was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pastor Justin Jenkins. So many good little things in there that are, are I think, just really practical for us to go and use. What was what was your big takeaway? Yeah, and easily applicable. Uh, my biggest takeaway from him was uh, when he talks about everybody has a one-day uh, one day prayer, meaning one day mm-hmm. my mom will come to church, one day my dad will stop drinking, and one day, and every single Sunday, us in the church, we get to be the answer for their one day prayer, which is just, uh, it gives you a whole new perspective on how you look at church every Sunday. It's, isn't that so good? It's so good. The church really is the hope of the world, yep. and Jesus is the answer, and we have the opportunity every single week to connect hopeless people to the, the hope, hope that is Jesus. That, yeah. that, isn't that, I mean, it's so much Incredible. fun, so good. And wouldn't have it any other way. Um, how do people connect with us at GoCast? Yeah, if you go into uh, Apple Podcasts, you go to Spotify, you go to YouTube, type in the search engine GoCast, and you will be able to find us there. Yeah, and we would love to continue the conversation on with you and to hear about your story and for to weigh in on your situation and help you in any way we can. We're really passionate about soul winning churches and we'd love to hear what's working for you or what we can help you with. So we'd encourage you to engage with us in conversation on social media. We're on Facebook and we're on Instagram and we would love to connect with you. Well, next week, Tim, we have a great conversation with Pastor Dave Myers. This is a little known uh, tidbit. Uh, Pastor Dave actually taught me in Bible college. Huh. This is how long I've known yeah, him. This yeah, is, this yeah. is, this is, this is, this is a while ago. Uh, and he's been pastoring. He pastors a great church in Calgary, Royal Oak Victory mm-hmm. Church. 
And what is what makes Royal Oak really stand out, in my opinion, and we talk about this quite a bit in the conversation, is the way that they engage the community, and the church really does serve the community in multiple ways. Yes. And the impact that that has had uh, and on souls and and in that community has been, and the church growth has been exponential. So here's a little tidbit of my conversation with Pastor Dave Myers. But you know, this year I, I went on it and I I saw people saying, "Hey, you know, I." I heard that they're having this family fun day event, you know, that church. Some people said, I heard that church down the road is having this family fun day thing. Has anybody ever been to it? And then just the dialogue on, on the Facebook page was incredible. Yeah, I went. Yeah, you know, what's it like? Oh, it's awesome. Do they preach at you? No, no, it's not like that at all. You know, it's great for the kids. And so the dialogue was going on Facebook and I was watching it. This is about a week before the event this year. So it's kind of funny. That's cool. That's really cool. Can't wait for next week in our conversation with Pastor Dave Myers of Royal Oak Victory Church in Calgary, Alberta. Thanks again for joining us at GoCast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.